You're listening to audio from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about Citizens, please visit citizensbhm.com. Uh, I don't preach uh, every week, um, but when I do get the opportunity to preach, uh, it's my custom to the day before on a Saturday to go find a coffee shop to post up at. Uh, and so I usually wake up early on Saturday, uh, get ready, uh, grab my stuff, and then go find a coffee shop. And yesterday, I decided to go to O'Henry's uh, in Brookwood Village. And so uh, I like that location. Uh, they got good coffee and good muffins, and they got a bomb cinnamon roll. So if you've never had a cinnamon roll from O'Henry's, go get you one. Um, but I pull up, and... Uh, Oh, Henry's is usually busy over there, but yesterday morning it was it was unusually busy. I felt like uh, it was loud. But I walk in, uh, wasn't, wasn't even sure if I was gonna be able to find a seat. But I find a seat, put my stuff down, and for some reason something says, "Man, you should go to the other O Henry's." And I forgot about the other O Henry's. I like that location. It's the one over by uh, Lifetime Fitness. Is that am I saying that right? Yeah, off 280. So kind of in the cut near Publix. And so something said, yo, go over there. Uh, that one is busy sometimes, but usually not loud. And so you're usually guaranteed to find a seat. So I grab my stuff, get in the car, driving over to the other O'Henry's. And while I'm driving there, I'm talking to, the, I'm talking to God. I'm saying, Lord, I don't know these people at Citizens Church, but you've allowed me the opportunity to come and preach. What do you want me to say to them? Uh, how could I encourage this congregation? Something the spirit, um, let the spirit say, stewardship of the gospel. Stewardship of the gospel. So I go to Henry's, pull up, find my seat. I actually ended up asking this young woman if I could sit next to her because it was like this shared booth space. So I put my stuff down. Uh, usually when I'm uh, preparing to preach, I use this Bible at home. I usually don't preach with it. As you can see, it's kind of thick. It's big, right? So I have it with me, and I put it down on the table. I get in line. I get me a muffin, get some coffee. I come back to the seat, and the woman says, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, what are you doing with that Bible? I'm like, uh, well, <laughs> like I'm actually preaching tomorrow at, at this church. Uh, I was invited to come and preach, and so I'm actually here to prepare for my sermon. Uh, and she said, yeah, she said, I noticed you had a Bible and some other people had a Bible. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is, what's going on today with everybody having these Bibles <laughs> here? I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I work for a church, and so uh, I'm just a Bible guy. And so I wasn't really sure what to say. But long story short, that quick interaction turned into an almost two-hour conversation. An almost two-hour conversation. Now, when you hear that, you're like, man, as a preacher trying to prepare for a sermon, you're like, that's the last thing <laughs> you want to happen, right? It's Saturday, not Friday. Ain't no extra time. I, I, every minute counts at this point. But the conversation was a blessing, I believe, to her and also to me. And we got a chance to get to know each other, heard her story. Uh, she talked about her experience growing up in church, 
talked about her time in Birmingham and talked about what she's experienced here in Birmingham and visiting different churches and got a chance to hear sort of her thought process and her perspective on, on the Bible and, and even how uh, she understands what it means to be a Christian and got a chance to speak into her life and some of those things. And it really was an awesome conversation that I did not see coming, but the Lord saw coming. And I took that as affirmation that I'm headed in the right direction with this sermon. Stewardship of the gospel. I asked that you would pray for that young woman. I actually invited her to come to Citizens today and also Urban Hope. I don't know if she's going to pick either one or come to both, um, but pray for her. And so we're in Luke 19, verses 11 through 28, and we come across Jesus teaching a parable. Everybody say parable. A parable, I don't know who's in front of me, so I can't take anything for granted, but a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Another way to think about this is an earthly story right, with a heavenly meaning, right? So something that uh, you and I would understand using common terms, but there's a deeper lesson behind it that usually applies to something in the spiritual realm or having to do with our Christian walk and following Jesus. Jesus often used parables to teach important truths about the kingdom of God and spiritual principles in a way that was relatable and easy to understand for his audience. And so this is where we are. We're in one of these parables. There are many parables throughout the Gospels, but we're in one of them this morning in Luke 19, verses 11 through 28. This parable is called the parable of the ten minus. In verse 11, it says, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He says in verse 12, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. So remember, a simple story with a deeper meaning. The first thing that Jesus is trying to address in this parable is a couple things he wants to teach his followers is one, helping them to understand how the kingdom of God is going to come about. He uses this parable to bring clarity about the kingdom of God. Some of his followers thought that since Jesus was approaching Jerusalem, right, that he was about to establish his kingship. But guess what? Instead, he actually dies. Could you imagine being one of his followers? Bummer. (laughs) Bummer. They're like, yo, he's about to go into this place, establish his dominance, exert his power, but instead he dies. And so what we have to understand about the kingdom of God is that it is already present. It's at work. It's in our hearts. 
as believers, but it is also a future reality that will be fully established when Jesus returns. So they weren't aware of that. So Jesus has to lovingly explain this to them. I'm coming back. And what you wanted to see the first time, you'll get to see the second time. Y'all following? (laughs) So he has to explain this to them. And so he uh, teaches them, gives them clarity about the timing of the kingdom of God. But in this parable, not only does he want to bring clarity to that, he helps them in that. But now, if you were assuming that Jesus was about to exert this power, exert this authority, establish his kingship, right, you just probably figured you were going to fall in line. But now that that's not the case, you as a follower must be asking, well, what do we do? In the meantime, they don't have to ask that question. Jesus goes ahead (laughs) and answers that for them as uh, as a good God would do to help his people. And so he continues on with the parable in Luke 19, 13, and says this, calling 10 of his servants, this master, he gave them 10 minus and said to them, Engage in business until I come. Engage in business until I come. That word minus is a form of currency. And if you're reading this parable, it might resemble uh, the parable of the talents that we see in Matthew. But in Matthew, the amounts are larger and they vary in quantity. And that parable is different in that that parable is testing the servants for their fitness for larger tasks. But in this parable, the amounts don't vary. Everybody gets the same amount. We all get the same amount. So if I'm reading this, the master says, engage in business until I come Then he says, I'm going to give you all the same amount of money to invest. I'm reading this, I'm like, huh. Well, simple story, spiritual meaning. I don't know you guys' income, but I'm assuming that varies in this room. Assuming you guys have different levels of influence, I'm assuming some of you had small families, some of you have big families, some of you have smaller houses, some of you might have bigger houses. But one thing that I know for sure that we all have in common is the gospel. Is the gospel. I don't care who you are, where you live, your background, we all, when I think about something that what do we all have in common is that we've experienced the transforming power of the gospel. Of the gospel. And so this parable teaches us that everyone has one basic task is that we are to serve God faithfully. 
as it relates to stewarding that gospel. Serve God faithfully. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 14, Paul is trying to encourage a young Timothy. He says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit that's been given to you. The gospel has come to you. I like the way one person said it. It didn't come to you to stop at you. It didn't come to you to stop at you. Paul says to Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. When I'm reading this parable, the master says, engage in business until I come. And I couldn't help but think about Matthew 28, 19, before Jesus ascends into heaven. He's talking to his disciples. He gives these parting words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Don't stop there. What does that look like? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them what it means to... Follow Jesus, what it means to carry your cross, what it means to submit to the authority of God's word. We don't just want to go around telling people Jesus loves you. We want to teach them what Jesus taught. There's a lot of of gaps in the spiritual formation of most people who profess Christ. Teach people to observe all that he has commanded. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Talking to the young woman yesterday, I was reminded that most people lack understanding and clarity when it comes to the teachings of Jesus Christ. They have never had someone sit down with them and just explain basic Christian truth. We talked for almost two hours, and a lot of that was about some of the basics of Christianity. How do we define sin? Who gets to determine right or wrong? What does it mean to pick up your cross? What is the purpose of church? How does this stuff all work together? We all know people who fit in this category. Some of them are your neighbors. Some of them are your cousins. The ones you like and don't like. We all got them cousins. We all got them cousins. Some of them are your coworkers.
Luke 19, verse 15. It says, when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants. So this master comes back, having received the kingdom, and he says, yo, I want to talk to my servants to whom I've given the money, and I want to hear, right, I want to hear what they had gained by doing business. What does that mean? There's an expectation from Jesus that while he's away and until he comes back, that we are to do business. This is not optional. This is not something for me because I'm in full-time ministry or Pastor Justin or those who might feel like they're called to evangelism. This is for all servants, not optional. The master comes back saying, yo, I want to hear what you've been up to since I've been gone, meaning he wants to hear a report. I want to hear what you've been up to. As it relates to this gospel that I've entrusted to you, what did you do with it? He will hold us accountable to this. This is not something that we should see as optional as Christians. Please hear me. Please. Then this master, in hearing these reports, the first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minus more. One servant invest what's been entrusted to him, and he makes a return. And he said to him, well done, good. It's well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And so there's reward. There's reward. I like to tell some of the guys that I disciple, younger guys, like, yo, you do know when we get to heaven, right? Like, there will be a somewhat of a hierarchy in terms of awards or uh, rewards that get distributed. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it means some of us get to eat dinner earlier, right? But I'm like, yo, I don't want to be in the back of the line for dinner getting roasted, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> so if I'm y'all, like, I want to take this seriously because I'm going to be joking in heaven. I know I'm going to be joking. Me, Quez, my boy Josh, we going to be roasting. And so if I see you in the back of the line because you weren't putting in no work, I'm going to say something. But it's going to be all love because we in heaven. But I'm still going to get you. Maybe some of us might get bigger houses. Some might get the Lambo while y'all get the Honda Civic. I don't know. Hey, right, right? We, <laughs> but we don't know. But there are rewards for those who serve faithfully. 
And the second came saying, Lord, your miner has made five miners. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. So a second servant invests what's been entrusted to him and it, it gives a return. But watch this. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking to myself, what, what is it that usually we're human, I'm human, what is it that causes us, if we're being honest, from being faithful? What keeps us? What keeps us from being faithful? Well, look at this. In verse uh, 20, it says, Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief. For... I was afraid. Everybody say afraid. Afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. I thought it was interesting that this is where you got to be gracious towards this individual because some of us are like, yo, he tripping. How you not going inv- the man gave you some money to invest and you just sat on it? But listen to what he says. He it wasn't necessarily driven by a, a, a laziness per se or maybe not wanting to to engage and do business, but more so he was fearful. He was fearful. And we all can we all can sympathize with that as humans. I struggle with fear at times. While yesterday I was blessed with with this opportunity and took advantage of it, there are times where I don't take advantage of the opportunity. I can think of two men right now that I've been praying for pretty consistently that I see somewhat regularly. And when I am in a position to say something related to spiritual matters, I freeze. I just freeze, and we start talking about football or something. And a part of what's driving that is fear. I'm nervous (laughs) about how the conversation might go. I'm nervous that if it doesn't land well, I might now have this, this awkward tension in the relationship. I'm nervous that I don't maybe know the right things to say, or if they ask me a challenging question about Christianity, I may not know how to respond. We all have these thoughts. Fear. It's real. Jesus doesn't (laughs) try to run from it. But fear, even though fear is normal and in some ways sinful, it is not an acceptable excuse when it comes to disobeying God. I didn't write it. If it was up to me, y'all might could get away with some fear. But I'm not God. I'm his servant. Second Timothy 1, verse 6 through 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, 
but of power and love and self-control. We have a helper. We have a helper. Y'all, two hours? That's a long time. I had no idea what was about to come out of that young lady's mouth. But guess what? The spirit was right there the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. If you keep reading the passage, we see that there are consequences for those who are not faithful with what God has entrusted to them. He said, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he stood to those who stood by. He said to those who stood by, take the minor from him and give it to the other one who has the 10 minus. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minus. I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, not even what he has will be uh, for, for the one, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And so Jesus is being very explicit. For those of us who are faithful, there will be rewards. For those of us who are not faithful, there will be consequences. For some of that here on this earth, for us, that might mean you don't get opportunities if you keep skipping over them. And for those of us who do take advantage of opportunities, the Lord presents more opportunities and more labor and more opportunity to see fruit, which is ultimately a blessing to you. The reality is that we all have the same 24 hours. I know some of y'all think the person next to you got more. Nah, we all got the same 24. And Jesus has entrusted us with this gospel message. What are you going to do with it? As I was having this conversation yesterday with this young woman, there were a few times, and y'all got to help me. Y'all pray for me because... This happens here and there where I'm talking to someone and it's usually a gospel conversation and, man, tears sometimes begin to well up. So I got to do this awkward thing where I'm like rubbing my eyes, right? Because you can't just have somebody bust out crying on you. It's just kind of weird. Like, bro, we just talking. What's going on? (laughs) But that happens. And yesterday, again, two-hour conversation as she's sharing a little bit about her story I'm getting a chance to encourage her. These weirds, these tears begin to well up, and I'm having to kind of wipe them. But the tears, if I think about it, primarily began to well up as I was explaining to her a little bit about my story. She asked me, you know, what was it that, 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 that changed it for you? She said, you grew up in church. You said you had a similar experience to me. What was it that sort of changed So I went back to my college days where I came to Christ. I explained to her how somebody came alongside me and shared the gospel. And for the first time, I began to understand that I was a sinner who needed a savior, that it was not about my works, 
but about Jesus' works. And how that hit me because I did not deserve that kind of love. So much so, I was like, yo, in college, I was not even pursuing God. But for whatever reason, he felt it fit to pursue me. And I'm just explaining this. Explaining this. And it's just the spirit is, is showering me in the moment. Reminding me of God's goodness to me. His grace towards me. At one point, I was an enemy of God, but now I'm his son. At one point, we were all enemies, and you might be an enemy today sitting here. And God is saying, I want you. (laughs) I love you. I know what's best for you. Stop running from me. Stop running from me. Trust me. Trust me. Christ has changed me. We, as those who have been entrusted with the gospel, understand this transformation. We have the opportunity to give it away. That is a privilege. What you'll realize is that while you think you're out here trying to bless others, that God is in the meantime blessing you. (laughs) This is not just any kind of business. This is kingdom business. It works a little different. And so citizens, I encourage you, while the master is away, engage in business. 